Welcome to Food for Thought. I'm your host, Evan Makofsky, along with Bob Fesco. In this podcast, we take a look at the issues surrounding the world of sports. In this episode, we're taking a view at what it takes to run communications for a professional sports franchise. And we're going to have Vice President of Communications for the Los Angeles Rams, Artis Twyman, coming up shortly. But Bob, let's start. You've been around PR staff. So have I. You know now in 2021, the demands are high. Media, social media, interfacing with players, setting up media interviews with radio, TV, online print, weekly coaches conference calls, pre and post game media sessions, game notes, research, Bob, fill in what they do. Well, and you also forgot now the ability to control the message in-house by by their own publications, whether it be, you know, via, you know, articles on the Internet, doing television shows, radio, podcasts, broadcasts and all of that kind of stuff. It really has become a job that encompasses everything, I think, within a sports franchise. I mean, you're you're the gatekeeper. You're the information person. You want to make sure the right information is getting out there. So you're the fact checker as well. I mean, th- these guys that, and gals that do PR, not just for the NFL, but for every kind of professional sports franchise and college franchise as well, some of these big time college programs have the same type of demands as, as you see in the professional ranks, these guys and gals have their work cut out for them. And I think it is kind of with the media, a a love hate relationship because you, you want to have obviously a working relationship with the PR staff, but they also have to know at the end of the day that you have a job to do and that's to report what's going on. And sometimes, you know, there's headbutting that goes on between the media and the PR staff because the PR staff doesn't want some things to come out and the media is like, Hey man, I got to do my job. Bob, I don't know what your experiences are, but I've had different experiences with PR staffs. When I covered the Lakers and he's not there anymore, John Black, everything had to be run through him. You wanted an interview, it all had to be booked through him. And then you look at a, at a different situation with even the St. Louis Cardinals and Brian Bartow. Um, He didn't set up anything. You had to go network with the players. If the players wanted to give you their phone numbers, he didn't really mediate anything. To me, John Black's way is better because, you know, things can't escape the view of the PR or the organization. But, you know, it's handled differently by different organizations. Well, it really is. And, and, and I like the second way better. Get out of the way and let me do my job. And, and you know, I'm not going to burn you. Give me your phone number. Let us set things up. And it eliminates a middleman. It but you're in the media. That, you're right. in the media. That's why you like it better. But if you, were, if you were running comms for a pro sports franchise, which way would you do it? Well, if I was running comms for the pro for sports franchise, I'd be doing it the other way. I mean, <laughs> okay, and, and, thank you. But, but that's the problem that you get into. You got totally different. And I think agenda is a negative word that people people use a lot, but you really do. You have two different agendas. The, the PR guys are there to protect the organization, to protect the players, to make sure that nothing is getting out negative about them. If something does happen, that is a negative light for them. They figure out a way to, you know, to kind of talk about it, to give their side of the story. But for a guy like me, you know, my, my, my whole, you know, job and, and whatnot has been based on relationships over the years, you know, walking in, meeting people, talking to people, gaining their trust and, you know, having the ability to, to contact people, you know, w- when need be. And, and that's really started over the years really started with Dick Vermeil here in Kansas City. He had such a great relationship with the media and, and he didn't care about giving out his phone number and talking to you and, and really welcome that. If there was something that was going on and you had a question, call me. I'll answer the question. I'll let you know exactly what's going on. And I think that that way works very well for the media because it allows the media to really do their job and to truly get an honest answer from a coach. And you know that you can go to that coach or that player if something is happening and, and you need an answer from. You don't have to wait for the PR guy to get to the coach and get back 
to you and maybe you miss your deadline. So I, I think there are, there are multiple ways of doing it. I think a veteran coach doing it the way that Dick Vermeil did it was great. But if you're a young head coach who's in the job for the first time, maybe you want the PR staff to handle a lot more of that stuff. And you should. I mean, really, at the end of the day, PR has become a lot bigger in 2021 than it was in 2001. I don't think necessarily, Bob, it's all about a young head coach because when John Black ran PR for the Lakers, Phil Jackson was the coach and he ran it, you know, with a iron fist and everything still had to go through him. And especially if you wanted interviews with Kobe Bryant or Shaquille O'Neal or whoever. And also there's also PR staffs and now there's more demands in 2021 with social media and whatnot. But there's also those PR people out there that really put out game notes and that's it. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a, there's a happy medium between everything too. Like, you know, utilizing the the way that they did it in the Lakers where everything had to be run through them. Are they going to get you what you need? That that's the question that you have to ask. Are they going to help you and facilitate you as a member of the media, or do you need to go around the PR staff to get your job done? And a lot of times that's what it's become in, in sports where reporters feel the need. They have to go around the PR staff in order to get the information that they need because they are on a deadline. They, the clock is ticking on stuff all the time. You mentioned love-hate, that there's a love-hate relationship between PR staffs and the media. Some of them are friends with it's or maybe a professional respect, and maybe once it's all over, they actually become friends with the media. I've seen that. But this love-hate relationship really does exist. It really does. And and, and I think it, at, at times you're working together and everybody's got the same, you know, agenda, but there are times where the two agendas are completely different. And, and that's sometimes where the love hate relationship falls. I, I think the guys and gals who do PR for these organizations are really the unsung heroes, to be quite honest with you. Nobody knows who they are. They don't get a lot of love, but all the information every broadcaster has and, and every announcer has, and every fan really at this point in time has comes from somebody in PR putting all of that information together. And so they've got a lot of work that that they have to deal with but also they have to realize the job that we're doing as members of the media and that's to get that information out there and it would be awesome to you know have that kind of relationship where they cooperate with you and you cooperate with them well how valuable i would say it's valuable as well you just said you think you know it's extremely important i think it depends actually on the person and the approach that they take whether how valuable a pro sports team's communication staff is to the entire organization. Sure. And it really can set the organization up for success or failure from a public perception because they are the front line. They're the people that, you know, folks see, you know, in, in the public eye that kind of give the message across of, of what they're trying to do inside that organization. They're the ones who get the players ready for interviews, the coaches ready for interviews. A lot of the stuff, you know, that PR staffs do is, is, is really behind the scenes and going to the coach and going to the players and saying, Hey, this is what's trending on Twitter. These are the top, Topics of the day. So you have to be up on everything that's going on. And the other thing that PR staffs do, which I find quite honestly to be very tiresome, they have to monitor every sports radio station and show in town and listen to find out what's being said so they can prepare their guys for when the when the you know the Zoom sessions now happen or the open locker rooms happen so they can prepare their guys. Hey, this was the topic of discussion today. This is what these folks were talking about on the radio or on television or, or in town. This is what's trending about you guys today. So they need to be up on all the news as well and everything that's going on with their franchise. Well, you bring up a good point about them listening to the sports radio stations. I don't know if they really listen 24-7, but word gets back to them about this show host says this or this is unfair. 
And oh, TR- I've known organizations, Evan, that people were assigned to certain day parts, to certain radio stations to listen every day. That was part of their job. There's somebody who's in charge of listening to six to 10 a.m. And then somebody listens to, you know, 10 to two and then two to six and, and they, they split it up. But there are certain people whose job it is part of their job description is to monitor what's going on in sports radio. And I've known some PR guys over the years who work for NFL teams that their job was to make sure that every article written about that team was on the head coach's desk by six o'clock the, in, in the morning. So they're pulling, you know, and this was before you really had the ability to search this stuff out on the internet. This is, you're talking back in the nineties and whatnot, you had to go find this stuff and, and work for this. And by 6am, all that stuff had to be there. I mean, it's just a job where folks, I don't think get paid a whole heck of a lot when they start out and the demands and the work and all of that stuff that they have to put in is really beyond belief. Well, taking it a step further, a PR staff may know that talk show host X says this critical about their coach, a player mm-hmm. or whatnot. And they may prohibit players from or coaches from going on certain shows or certain stations. It, I, it's a private type thing. I think they're within their rights to do that, but it's not necessarily I don't know, politically correct balance to the media because they're taking their impressions of the situation and they're kind of, you know, cutting off a, a host or an entire station. Well, and, and I think that has to do with the relationship, though, that you have with an organization. If you're somebody that's out there and shows their face and is around back in the days when you could be out there and show your face and be around, they, they let some stuff like that maybe slide or they pull you aside and they say, man, I didn't agree with what you said. I thought you were wrong here. You got your fact wrong here. And you can have that face-to-face conversation. And, and, and that's why, you know, I think with the, the way we're living life now on Zoom all the time, you don't really get to have that interaction to form those true relationships that ultimately matter in an industry like this. Well, deleting COVID from the situation, which has changed everything about showing your face, that's a great point because hosts or even TV reporters, most uh, newspaper, which are online now, have to show their face, especially if they're on a beat for the team. But a lot of talk show hosts and a lot of TV people, unless they have to shoot something specific, don't show up to practice. And that is why they get cut off. And I think that that's fair because you have to know at least a little bit what's going on with your own eyes to get on there and, you know, be an informed talk show host. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely do. And it's, it's not just to see what's going on, because a lot of times at an open NFL practice, you're watching a guy stretch and touch his toes and do a few jumping jacks and you're out because everybody's so paranoid that their secrets are going to get out. Right. So you don't get to see a whole heck of a lot from that standpoint, but it's the FaceTime with the coach. It's the FaceTime with the players. It's being in that locker room. And it's not always going up to somebody with a microphone again. Give me a give me a, you know, a, a comment on this. It's going up to somebody just having a human conversation and just talking about stuff that doesn't even really matter to what's going on in the game and just kind of forming that relationship and earning the trust that you're not a bad person. You're just out there doing a job. You're, you're, you're entertaining and you're here to figure out what's going on. So you can be, you know, as correct as possible with that. Well, I think also the demeanor of the, especially the head of PR and we have artist Twyman of the LA Rams, formerly of the St. Louis Rams. You and I had worked with him in the past when he was in St. Louis, but he has a nice loose demeanor. It's friendly. He's, you know, he jokes around with the media, the players like him. To me, that is the best demeanor you can have while he still 
does his job and is successful at it. Well, and at the end of the day, we're not splitting atoms here. We're talking about football or baseball, and it really is fun, and it should be fun. Covering the team should be fun. Even a losing team should be fun to cover because it's still sports, man, and and, and people sometimes forget that. You need to take a step back every once in a while and go, man, I work in the NFL or I work in Major League Baseball or the NHL. This, this is a lot of fun. It shouldn't be a combative type of job. Well, when we come back... Artist Twyman, L.A. Rams Vice President of Communications, will join us and get into all the aspects of communications in 2021. And we will look forward to hearing what he has to say. You're listening to Food for Thought with Evan Makovsky and Bob Fesco. We'd like to welcome Vice President of Communications for the Los Angeles Rams for just under a decade. Artist Twyman joins us. Good to have you on the program, Artis. First off, why don't you tell us what the roles and duties are of a communications officer running a professional sports team, or if you want to be specific, an NFL team? Hey, Evan, uh, Bob, good to be on with you guys again. Good to talk to you guys. So, yeah, you know what? My job is basically is to be the middle person between the media and the organization, help the media get the stories that they want to tell about our team, and well help our players, coaches, staff, with messaging and and getting these interviews done, that's the bulk of what we're trying to do. We try to um, have a strategic um, approach to our communication strategy, and I help execute that. You know, not to dive well deep into your past, but I mean, you started this thing as an intern with Houston in the early 2000s, you know, at the beginning part of this decade. I bet you the job, the role that you're in right now has changed drastically over those 20 years from just dealing with the media to basically now taking everything all in-house and doing a lot of that stuff on your own. How has the job changed over 20 years? Man, it's just amazing how people just how they consume information over the years. You know, back when I was an uh, intern with the Texans, if it if it happened after the 10 o'clock news, you didn't hear about it again till the next morning or, or the, the, when you open the paper in the morning. Now, everything is instantaneous. You know, so soon as something happens, it's news. So just adjusting to that has it, been crazy in itself. And I'm sure your salaries are commensurate with you working 24 hours a day <laughs> back then, right? I wish. <laughs> hey, artists, since relocating to L.A., which is a much bigger market and the new stadium, which was fanless last year. And you can uh, give us a little overview of that, but how has the market size affected the scope of your work? You know what, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the market size, but in Los Angeles, it is so many things that take up a, a person's time. You have the Lakers, you have the Dodgers, you have the angels, you have the Kings, USC, UCLA, you have uh, the Chargers. And so it's so many, th- you have the beach. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? so It's so many things to do in Los Angeles. So uh, that is what, it, what you, you, you're, you're competing against all these other entities in the sports uh, market, as well as the beach and the nice weather out here. So that, that's what you have your work cut out for. You just saw Albert Pujols signed by the Dodgers, but he spent uh almost an entire decade with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and kind of, um, and I was in LA for many of those years and he kind of didn't have really much cachet or name recognition in Los Angeles. You mentioned obviously all the different things to do. The Rams have a new stadium, but from promoting the team, how can you really get the word out there to the public? You know what, it's, it's, 
in, in Los Angeles, you have to first you have to be a winner. <laughs> you have to win games. That's what that's what they like out here. So everybody's chasing the Lakers. Everybody's chasing the Dodgers. So, but like you said, we have this brand new, beautiful stadium uh, that we we are excited about having fans in this year. And so, hopefully, when we get that and we get on the field and we have a productive season, that'll kind of turn a lot of people into Rams fans who just really hadn't had a home team in the last two decades. You know, what I mean, before we before we got here in uh in 2016. So, uh, we hopefully hopefully that we could kind of slowly but surely close that gap, win over a lot of fans to be Rams fans, and um, it'll be their it'll be their home team. You know, I think one of the interesting things about the NFL that's so different for, I believe, from perception-wise for you guys out in L.A. is that no matter what city, it, it is the thing to do, whether it's Kansas City or St. Louis, or even New York, for that matter. I mean, with the Giants and Jets, I mean, you know, you got diehard football fans. It seems like the NFL is always that thing to do. In Los Angeles, you mentioned those other things that you have to do. And so I've seen some of the cool things you guys have done to try to grab the attention with the draft house and, you know, some of that kind of stuff that you've had to do. What are some of the crazy kind of like promotions and things you've you've thought of to do to try to market a team that's been different than maybe anybody's ever done before because you're in that need to market it so kind of wild and crazy yeah you you're exactly right the draft house was a big hit for us it just kind of showing hey listen this is what california is california is malibu california's outside it's sunshine it's the beach and we're just trying to to accentuate that during the draft we did haven't had a draft pick in the first round for a couple of years so we're just trying to keep ourselves relevant and keep people watching on thursday so that was the um that was the exciting part for that, but you have to come up with creative ways like that just to kind of market your team um, and, and, and get people to uh, uh, pay attention to what you have going on uh, in this market out here in Los Angeles. Is it easy to kind of get celebrities involved too, because of the, I don't want to say the ease of the access to them, but you got them all there. Is it easy to go up to somebody and say, Hey, you want to help market the team? You know, if you're a, an A-list actor or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you want them to, you want to do that, but you also want them to be authentic. You want them to be, you don't want to pay them to be a Rams fan. You want them to be a Rams fan. We, when I got out here, you find out, you do find a lot of people in entertainment and acting who are Rams fans. And so that's kind of authentic. Uh, authentic relationship but uh it's been exciting to get out here and you'll see a lot of these famous people at the games uh and that's that's been a different thing for us hey artists let's talk about last season no fans at the game beautiful stadium how did covid affect your job interfacing with the media and internally with the organization you know what it was last year was very different not only for us but for everyone uh, just doing everything virtually, uh, you know, working with the media. We're so used to having open locker room during the week, open locker room after the game, uh, being able to talk to the head coach, talk to the quarterback and all of that. And having to adjust and do that on Zoom, you still get a chance to see him face, but it's nothing like that face-to-face -face interaction uh, with talking with the player. And what happens when you want to talk to the 53rd man on the roster who may not be available on the Zoom after a game or something like that. You kind of miss that. So we kind of worked closely with our media to try to help them adjust to this new normal that we were having. But I'm telling you, it, as much as the, the NFL did a good job last year making the games feel like fans were in the stands, when you got out there and there was no fans in the stands, you felt it. It was, it was, it was weird. And our players would tell you it was, it was very different. So we, uh, I think everybody's excited to get our fans back in the stands uh, this year. Last year, Hard Knocks featured you during the open of one of the episodes showing some 
difficult video footage to coach Sean McVay without getting into the ins and outs of that video footage. What was it like though, for you to be basically featured in the tease of hard knocks? You know, it is different because you know, I always try to play the background. I'm not supposed to be featured, but one thing uh, HBO, the NFL network, NFL, they do a good job of having these robotic cameras in these offices. And so it's not a person there videotaping that you're mindful of. But a lot of times when I go in and I talk to the coach, I forget that they have this robotic camera there. And coach forgets as well. And so that was an authentic moment uh, coach and I had just, you know, showing him that video, his reaction, my reaction, and the discussion that we had afterwards. Um, it was authentic. And so sure enough, you know, HBO said, hey, we want to show this to you before we air it. And I think we both thought it was it was OK to, uh, for people to see how we uh, how we felt about everything that was going on. What, what did you think has been kind of your biggest challenge? I mean, not only have you been head of PR of an NFL organization through a, a global pandemic, but you're also the head of PR for an organization that moves cities. I mean, so you've had a couple of big whoppers like dropped on your plate over the last five or six years. What's been the biggest challenge you've faced since you've taken a, like a full-time job in the NFL? Yeah, let me tell you, and it's no playbook for either one of those things as far as the pandemic or moving a team uh, from another city. So a lot of the things that you're doing, you, 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 you're, you're learning on the fly, you're, you're trying to make the best out of those situations, whether you're moving a team or whether you're working through a pandemic. But um, yeah, I've, I've seen my, my share of some things throughout the my almost 20 years uh, in the National Football League. But those are two things that, you know, um, you can't prepare for. And to be honest, a lot of, a lot of people won't have that type of experience uh, in, in their in their careers. How did you get like information on how to handle that stuff? Like when you guys decided that's it, we're moving, we're leaving to St. Louis. What did you do as as a member of the PR staff to try to you know help help facilitate this move? Because I'm sure there was a lot of PR that you had to do during that time, both in St. Louis and in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, you, you, the best the best thing you do is ch- try to work with with media on both sides. You work with the National Football League. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of hands on deck to kind of make that make that transition smooth as smooth as you can make it. And so, um, but one thing that was great was you, once you got to Los Angeles, you got your feet on the ground. Everybody was excited to have football back in Los Angeles, and so we got out here and, and hit the ground running. That that was pretty exciting. I read artists that you there was a time where you wanted to be, and we're going way back to college, I believe, a presidential speechwriter. How did you How did you veer from that career path? You know what? It's, it's funny, man. So that's what I, I made. I went to Tennessee State University, majored in speech communications and theater, and I wanted to be a speechwriter for the president of the United States. That was my whole thing. So uh, majored in that. I ended up... Um, interning in the public relations department at Tennessee State. I had, at that point, I had no idea what public relations was all about. I thought it was just the people who said no comment or held up big checks uh, during games. And so I, once I, after that, after that internship, I fell in love with it. And uh, I got a chance to work in the public relations department at uh, TSU after I graduated and then uh, was able to get an internship with the Houston Texans. So I veered away from uh, speech writing, but every once in a while, I like to to still write a speech, even if it's not for anybody um, reading it, I just like to keep my keep practicing and make sure I can hone my skills in. Do you do you write <laughs> speeches for for the team owners or the coaches or the general <laughs> managers or anything like that? Like you know what? how they much have, of that is there to do for you? 
Yeah, they they haven't they haven't really asked me to write any speeches. But you know what? A lot of times when you're preparing a player or you're preparing a head coach for an interview, you're kind of telling them what the talking point should be, uh, trying to say, hey, listen, this is what the media should ask you. And this is what the conversation should be about. So you're trying to help that way. But no, they haven't asked me to put any pen to paper yet. But I, I want to be prepared in case they do. So when, when you're preparing guys and, and, and giving them all the cliches to use and, and whatnot as the head of PR for an NFL team, what's been the, the moment where you had like the, like the oh no moment, like I really got to prepare, we've got a crisis, we've got to manage this. What's been like the hardest individual moment that you've had of your career? You know what? I don't, that, that's a tough question. I have to think about that. But a lot of times, you know what? I try not to tell a player what to say. I just try to prepare them for the questions that have come up, you know what I mean? And then unless the players say, hey, listen, if they ask me this, what should my response be? And then we'll talk about it that way. But I never, ever, I, I try to make a practice and never try to tell a player what to say. I always want them to voice their opinion, have, you know, have their own words. But I always like to say, hey, listen, these are some of the topics that they're going to talk about. These are some of the things that's happening uh, outside of the league that you may not be aware of. Uh, these are things happening on other teams and things happening with our team. So I just want to make sure that they're prepared for these things, but I want them to answer in their own words, have their own voice. Uh, and I think that's very important. Artists in 2018, you and your staff won the Pro Football Writers Association Pete Rosell Award, which is given annually to the NFL club's public relations staff that consistently strives for excellence in its dealings and relationships with the media under your guidance. I have a serious question and it's two pronged. What did that mean to you on a serious note? And then I know you worked under uh, Rick Smith for a while who had all sorts of tricks. What are your tricks dealing with the media? <laughs> hey, I'll take the first one first. So yeah, that meant a lot. That meant a lot, not only to me, but the people that I work with, this, this is not an individual thing. Uh, Coach McVeigh always talks about we, not me. And in our department, our communications department, that's exactly what it was. It wasn't uh, just me, but it was a whole team of people. Uh, Julia Farron, Tiffany White, uh, Travis Langer, some other people that worked with us. And uh, it was a collective effort. So I was excited for me, but I was also excited for them because I know how much they worked and how much it meant to them. Uh, to earn that award. So that was that was the cool part about it, to kind of uh, earn something bigger than just yourself, but to earn it with some other people. But, oh, man, Rick Smith, he had plenty, he had plenty of tricks, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, one of them, and I, I, I'll say, one of them, he always would say, hey, hey, artist, let's put him on ice. And that'll mean he won't, he won't return your phone call. And so uh, I didn't have nearly as many tricks as he had, <laughs> but, but the tricks that he had will always bring a smile to your face. Cause he, he was, he was hilarious. It's funny. <laughs> as we move forward and, and emerge out of COVID and see all these deals that the NFL is signing TV deals forecast for me, number one, do you see normal media coverage coming back to the NFL, back into the locker rooms and all that kind of stuff? And, and where do you see, media in five years covering the NFL? And, you know, those are great questions. Thank I you. Do, I, do see, <laughs> I do see um, media coming back to the locker room. I think the NFL has been based on media coverage, being media friendly. So I think once everything, once you can find out a safe way to bring media back into the locker room, I think that's exactly what will happen. Have them up there during the week, especially after games. Um, as far as coverage, you see a lot of teams producing their own content now, much more than you have in the past. So I think that a lot of teams are taking their own message into their own hands, uh, producing their own content. 
But at the same time, I, I think you you won't see ESPN or LA Times or anything like that go away just because of the reach that they have. So you always work with them. But uh, you will see a lot of teams doing a lot of uh, a lot of their own messaging and their own video content and that type of thing. The Buffalo Bills announced that fans must be vaccinated to come to the games this year. Do you see that as a league-wide thing? How are the Rams going to proceed around v- vaccinations? You know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think we're really going to have to work with uh, the state government, that type of thing, to see, see what the guidelines will be. Um, hopefully, we can we have a packed house in our stadium this year. But uh, I think you can pr- proceed with caution. Uh, work with your state, uh, local government, see what the uh, the protocols would be, and hopefully that we can have people uh, in our stadium, um, uh, in the field house. Artis Twyman, Vice President of Communications for the Los Angeles Rams for almost a decade now. It is both Bob and my pleasure to have you on. We appreciate it. Man, it's good to see you guys, man. It is very good to talk to you guys, and thank you for having me. Bob, what a thrill talking to artist Twyman and all the complexities running a communications operation for a franchise in 2021 like he does for the L.A. Rams. Well, people think it's just, you know, getting guys on TV or getting guys on the radio or getting some quotes for the newspaper. There's so much more that goes into it, especially now with so many different forms of media out there and really your own in-house media. You never stop. And it really is a thankless job that just about every gal and guy in the NFL, Major League Baseball, professional sports has to deal with being PR guys. You can't please everybody, but man, they try their hardest to make, uh, you know, to make life easier for a lot of us folks in the media. They certainly do. I want to thank Artis Twyman for joining us. For Bob Fesco, I'm Evan Makovsky. Thank you for listening to Food for Thought.